Look deeper into what you think you see. Feel for what you think you hear. Break free from the chains of an illusion. The Realist Juggernaut. There's a powerful force in realism. Welcome to this edition of the Paradigm Podcast. My name is Mohamed Traore. I'm your host. And today we will be speaking with Mr. John Neff, the owner and creator of the Realist Juggernaut. Mr. Neff and myself actually met through social media. The very first week I created my podcast, he was gracious enough to not only listen to the first episode, but to actually give me some constructive criticism on how I was really operating with my um, podcast in itself and give me constructive criticism in terms of how I should go moving forward, such as being sure to state my name in the beginning of every episode, which should have been something that really dawned on me, but I kind of uh, was lost in the moment with that. And in addition, he also created our logo. So I'd like to thank him for that and let you guys know that we have spoken many times over the past three weeks, and we've really come to a bit more of an understanding in terms of how we want to really portray um, the way we speak to one another and to really push forward the goals of both of our podcasts more, which are accountability and not just accountability, but conversations in the sense that they don't just turn into shouting matches or people just trying to prove the other person wrong, but rather to truly be heard and have both sides be heard and to let the listeners really decide for themselves how they want to go about things going forward. And with that, I introduce everyone to Mr. John Neff from The Realist Juggernaut. Hey, how are you guys doing? That was well said. Just saying. So we got uh, a lot of stuff to talk about, Muhammad. And it's nice talking to you again, by the way. And I liked your intro. That was great. Um, I couldn't have done it better to myself. So that's all I'm saying. So it was good. Um, it is a learning process and we will get through it together eventually, you know, cause we'll have a lot more of these podcasts and, you know, and bring people in on conversations that a lot of people don't talk about. So with that said, we can start our, you know, podcast with what's going on today in America and it's upsetting. We have a lot of people in America that are divided and there's a lot of hatred going on. That we're divided in many categories. My main category that I want to talk about today is the racism side of this category of why we're divided. And it seems to be getting worse where I thought at one time it was getting a lot better. And for some reason it seems like it's going downhill instead of uphill. The race thing is getting inflamed, and it's sad. It's upsetting. And, you know, I'll talk about how when I was growing up and how people used to portray me as I was growing up. Uh, I was always kind of the person that was, I always went against the grain when it comes to certain things, especially the way I dressed. A lot of people did not like that. Um... Back in that time, a lot of people, when I was going to school, a lot of people dressed preppy. 
you know, always wore preppy clothes and whatnot. I was always that guy that wore baggy clothes, baggy, you know, everything, you know, I was the hammer pants, all of it. Okay. And <laughs> literally, and, you know, I even cut my hair down to like kid and play, you know what I mean? I went all the way down to that, you know, that was, and, but even then growing up, I got profiled by other students and I was called, you know, all kinds of different names, you know, um, Wigger being one, one of them. They used to call me Wigger. Um, I think we know what that term means. So I don't want to get into spelling that, but it means white and then the N-word. So that's basically what I went through as I was growing up. And then, you know, I dealt with that from white people, certain white people when I was in school, and then certain things that I went through with black people, which was kind of very upsetting because, you know, that's just who I was, okay? Um, I liked the style of clothing then, and I loved the way black people dressed and acted and whatnot. So that's how I, that's how I was brought up, okay? That's how I portrayed myself as I was going to school. So, yeah, I got called a bunch of names from both sides, and I kind of just stood with myself, basically, for quite some time and until people started to recognize me. And, then, you know, I ended up with – I had a lot of black friends then. It just, you know, people started coming around me more and realized what I was doing and whatnot. I had more black friends than white friends. But it was rough. That's all I'm saying. It was rough trying to balance two things, being me, myself, who I am, and trying to have friends at the same time. So it was difficult. And throughout the years, it got easier and easier. And, you know, I was more accepted from both sides, white and black. So... You know, it just seemed to get a lot better. And I thought it was, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm thinking, yeah, okay, we're getting into, you know, early 90s and stuff. And, it, you know, things started getting better and whatnot on that note. And then the 2000s, you know, like I thought it was great because, you know, I came out with a rap album. And I love rap. I listened to rap for a very long time. Um, so I've always wanted to rap. I did also have a rock band too, but regardless, you know, I thought things were just, you know, going in the right direction where we can all be one and, you know, not have hate for one another. If you don't know somebody, like a lot of people look at me and then they don't, they look at me like, okay, well, you know, what's that white boy doing? You know what I mean? What's he doing here on this side of the hood? Or, you know, like, and I lived there. So, you know, it was difficult. And then it just started going down the tubes. I would start saying probably about around, and then around 2012, I would say. That's when it would start, things started getting really bad. Um, the name calling. Um, with, I don't know how many times I've gotten called honky or whatnot and cracker and, but regardless, I don't, I don't call people names back. I pretty really, you know, I just ignored it pretty much, but it seems to be getting worse. And what I'm seeing now seems to be getting way worse. So now we're starting to see racial tension and, and, you know, you know, this is 2020. What are we all doing? You know what I'm saying? We need to get together and be right with one another. 
because, you know, when it comes to over 400 years ago, I know me, I didn't own any slaves. I know you, Muhammad, didn't own any slaves. So, you know, why are we fighting each other about this? And why is it still a racial thing? And I blame many groups that are out there for the racial tension and many people because some people don't know how to move themselves away from the situation. And I want to let everybody know when it comes to this situation, talking about racism, I'm not comfortable with it. Um, I'm not a racist person by far. I just want to put that out there. So with what we're talking about, me and Muhammad, we, we talked about this before and you know, the subject is tough as it is. That's why I kind of feel like I'm, I'm kind of like stretching it along here. It's just because it is uncomfortable to me, but somebody has to talk about this. Um, so we've decided we're going to talk about this because we need to start a conversation somewhere where everybody can have this conversation. So basically this is an abnormal session for me because it's something I don't like to talk about and we have to. I'd have to agree. Yeah, it's tough. It's it's really tough. And a lot of people a lot of people feel that way, but they don't wanna they don't wanna come forward. Okay. A lot of people, even you know, you know, got black people and you got some white people, you know what I'm saying? That just wanna keep it real. You know what I mean? You got a, a whole mass amount of people that just wanna keep it real, but you got people in the street right now rioting of all colors and it's just chaos and it's going to turn even worse. I think if it continues because eventually they're going to end up battling each other over something stupid. We've seen it happen even with gangs, you know I mean? Shooting each other, killing each other and whatnot. So how could this not go any worse? It, it, it probably will. And, and I fear that. I don't know what you think about it, Muhammad, as far as, the riots right now and where they're going. I mean, so far there's been shootings, there's been stabbings, there's been all kinds of nasty stuff going on out there that nobody should be doing. I mean, to make a point, you know, be peaceful about it in a mass and masses, mounts. You know, if you're massive and you go state to state and be massive, you can avoid all of this. You know what I mean? Just get your point across and then, you know, we use the system to vote out people who are pressing these issues that are making things really bad. And that fires things up, especially when they go and they do something they're not supposed to be doing. You know, and the same with people who are the criminals that go out and don't take heed to what the officer's saying that leads up into that. I just want to, you know, put that out there. You know, not all police officers are stupid. We need our police officers. You know, and this is just one of the reasons because we got you see how big the riots are getting out there and how bad they are. And yeah, some people have it good reason, but at the same time, you're hurting people's businesses and you're hurting people. You know what I mean? And just it's just not cool for a lot of people all the way around. So with that said, you know. It turns into defunding the police department and then, you know, hate cops, hate all cops, because that's what I'm seeing now is, you know, hate all cops. It doesn't even matter if the cop is black, 
you know, Hispanic or whatever, it doesn't even matter. It's it's hate all cops now, defund cops. And we, we can't have that. Um, as far as fixing the race thing, we were almost there. We're, what happened? I have no idea what happened. Do you know what happened, Muhammad? As far as the racism goes? I don't like. I'm not comfortable saying I know exactly what happened because everyone right. does see it differently and I'm not privy to every little piece of information, but from what I saw, it was really just a lot of complacency. Um, and we just got into a situation where we got caught up in how good things were going individually for each of us or in other areas going through pain or going through issues of mass amounts of job losses or community upheaval, uh, whether that was in inner cities, rural America, mining towns, et cetera. And a lot of that just wasn't really being brought into the forefront. And we just turned into a society where everyone wanted to be a have and no one wanted to admit the fact that at times they were a have not. And I think the issue with that was that we just really stopped learning how to listen to one another and feel for one another. And when we got back to situations where we started to see economic disparities or issues in, uh, whether it be in the social sphere, the political sphere, or the health sphere, we just got to a point where we really just stopped learning how to talk about those things with one another because we weren't really practicing it anymore. We've gotten to bigger charge statements and blanket statements of everyone that thinks or believes this way is a terrible human being will never be a good person or everyone that thinks this other way is a good person and is completely righteous. And that just got morphed into the whole red versus blue argument camp of it, where if you're in one camp, you think you're on the good side. And if you're in the other camp, you think you're on the good side and both sides just point fingers at one one another and i just haven't liked that because we've turned into a society that stops seeing ourselves all as americans and people first and first as either republican or democrat or black or white or hispanic etc and i will make the distinction that as a black man and with the way i speak with my friends i mean we do make the distinction of we are black first but when we say that it's more that when someone sees us walking anywhere, I mean, you're obviously going to notice our skin color. So we say that first as in our experiences, um, sometimes they are largely shaped by the way we look. And I'm not complaining about it completely. I'm just saying that's the reality of it. I mean, everyone has their own personal prejudices or biases or stereotypes or ways of thinking. And that's the way life is because from the reading I've done, the philosophers I've looked into, and the psychology reading that I've done, I'm no expert in any of those fields, but from what I've read from the experts, a lot of that is just, it's pretty much an evolutionary way of learning how to survive or move forward. We make assumptions about certain things so that we don't really have to take the time to always break everything down piece by piece, because if we always did that, then we might lose the opportunity to advance in one way or to get the best outcome in a split second of time. And I don't think that it's terrible that we have broken down into a more simplistic society in the way that we kind of talk about some things, 
but I do think it's terrible that in the major themes in this nation and the major issues we have broken down into such simplistic blocks when a lot of these problems are a lot more complicated than we want to believe. And I believe that, and I think that you do as well, that the only way we really move forward and the only way we really learn more from each other and about each other is if we take the time to realize, hey, we need to define as many variables as possible if we're ever going to solve for true solutions. Correct. And I agree with you. Everybody needs to take a chill pill, in my opinion. And, you know, I think everybody just needs to stop the violence before it gets way worse. I'm hearing rumors of civil war. Um, and I mean, a lot of rumors of civil war, you know, and, and it's not like, it's not like there hasn't been a gunfire already because there has been gunfire already on both sides. So I could see that somebody's trying to push the narrative of civil war and we do not want to go there. I don't want to go there and I'm sure you don't want to go there. No, I definitely don't. <laughs> you know, because war is very ugly. Um, so I think on all sides, I think everybody needs to get together and you know, talk about somehow, some way, put together something to communicate what everybody wants, what everybody expects from their, you know, governors, from their government, pretty much, the whole government, you know? I don't think we have such a thing where somebody's physically just sitting down and sending out mailers to, like, me or you, um, to say, hey, how do you like this going on? And how do you like that going on? We do in our own state. We have some of that in our own state, but we don't have it like as in a whole. There's not like a real big group that takes care of the people's wants and needs. So I think, in my opinion, there should be somebody there in the forefront collecting, you know, everybody's thoughts, whether it be on paper, email, whatever. Um, and see what people, how, where people want to take this country. Because honestly, like, a more like census type thing that, but that isn't just population dynamics and how neighborhoods are constructed, but more on the facet of, hey, here's a survey, a census survey of how satisfied are you with your government? How satisfied are you with your leaders? How satisfied are you with? how your life is improved or not improved under current leadership and what would you like to see change? Something like that. Exactly. Exactly. That's what we need. Um, I see that, you know, a lot of people sit there when I mention this to other people, to my surprise, they were like, well, that's why we vote. And I turn around and look at them when they say that I say, but how do they know what we want throughout the whole process that they're in office or whatnot, you know, yeah, you got, but you got a big number of vote that, you know, somebody votes for one person and then, you know, that person wins because of so many votes. Well, how about have the same kind of communication? You know what I mean? With the certain amount of troubles that are out there, you know what I'm saying? And have, you know, a committee from all sides 
sit there and say, oh, well, I got this many complaints on this thing. I got this many complaints on that thing. And the other side does the same thing. And then guess what? They might be able to come to a closer conclusion to what people really want in a whole. Because it's it just it's not going it's not going well this way anymore, in my opinion, from what I see. As much as I love the American process, there are holes now. And I think there's a lot of cheating and, and not just on one side or the other. I think it's I think in a whole, I think it's I think it's the whole process that's cheating, in my opinion. I think that, you know, there's money get, getting thrown underneath the table for this. There's money getting thrown under the table for that. And I think it's both sides that are doing this that's driving these ridiculous laws that's creating panic between all of us. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, you get you get somebody in office and you got nobody that's really there to control that. You got people in office that's been there for like over 50 years. I mean, come on, you know, we need some younger people in there. We need to get... You know, people you need like to start it. voting these other. Yeah, we need to start voting a lot of these people that has been in there for so long. I think, in my opinion, term limits. You know, I was I'm big on the term limits, have term limits. I think term limits are important, especially nowadays. Everybody, you know, you got you got all this technology. I mean, look, we're talking, we're communicating, you know, I'm home, you home and we're doing this. You know, what I mean. We have all this technology, so right, and it's like we have all this technology, and everybody's and 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 everybody has all this information that they can access, where before in the past they didn't have that. So, to the average American, we were all blinded because we didn't have that technology. But now that we have the technology, the information's there, and it's more forefront than anything. So when you hear one thing, you're like, what? And then you hear another one and you hear, oh, my God, like, you know, then you're getting miscommunication from news sources and whatnot. And then before you know it, you can't you can't um, differentiate what's real and what's not. So people just go on a tangent. And that's exactly what's going on right now with a lot of this stuff. It's there's a lot of misinformation out there. And, you know, for both sides, because everybody wants to get their point across. Um, on both of the aisles, but they're not getting anywhere because, you know, people are more confused now. So, you know, now you got, you know, police officers out there that, you know, from my, I ain't going to lie, man. I, I've been profiled before when I was younger by police. So I know, I know that it can happen. It's happened more than a few times with me, but I didn't blame every police officer and I didn't go out and start riots over it. And, you know, but and I know why the riots are being started. You know, they we have this George, George Floyd thing going on. Then we got this new one that just happened. I get it. And but we can't keep doing this to each other. You know, if we want to fix the system. We have to figure out a way that it's going to work. You know, but we have to work on other things, too. And racism is one of the biggest things that we need to work on. In order to, for everybody to work with each other, we need to get that out of the way. You know, slavery, you know, as far as, you know, black Americans, slavery was over 400 years ago. In the beginning of this, I said I did never own no slaves. Um, and neither has Muhammad or 
his parents or whatnot. We didn't own no slaves. So we need to, you know, just get over the fact that the past is the past and move forward. We need to get rid of, you know, I've talked to you before about this with the words and stuff and music. And I hate bringing it up again, but, you know, these words like N-I-G-G-A, that keeps be being put into the music. It's just a constant, you know, a reminder to you guys, not to mention, you know, it's if we were to if somebody was white to say it, you know, it's it's really bad thing to say it. But yet, you know, we're out white people are out buying black artist music and supporting the music. But yet, you know, you, there's words in there that we're not allowed to say. And if you say it, it's becomes a really bad thing. And, you know, I was at a concert before and, uh, this was a long while ago and N-I-G-G-A was brought up in a song and there was this white kid and he, he got pulverized literally, um, right in front of my face because he said that. And I felt ridiculously bad about it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm thinking to myself, why, if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, ever since then, I had that bad aura where if if I'm going to buy this music, I should be able to, you know, say what I want to say because the lyrics are saying it. So if I'm singing something good and that happens to be in there and it just happens to come out, then I shouldn't be crucified for it. And a lot of people do get crucified for it. So, you know what I mean? And, you know, it's a lot less than what it used to be, but it still happens. But these are things like we can all work on together. Get, get rid of that word. Stop putting it. I mean, I'm not saying totally stop because I, I know that's kind of hard to do it's kind of like looking at you know violence and saying okay totally stop violence when it's a human condition okay it, it's it's it is a human condition but uh regardless you know we can work together in, in maybe eliminating the use of the word in the music as much as possible what do you say to that i'd say to that 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 would be a solid ideal and just the the only thing that kind of just makes me uneasy about asking for that is that it kind of gets into the censorship territory a little bit and i know we're not looking to really censor anyone but just have people be more mindful of how they use it in their music how often they're using it in a verse and just the situations and when it comes to the concerts maybe at least have a disclaimer and just be like hey i would appreciate it if either no one in the crowd or at least people that aren't black or something that at least say that I would appreciate it if you guys didn't say this instead of just having it go on. And then for people in the crowd as well, them educating themselves and realizing that music really just gets you caught up in the moment. And sometimes when someone does say that word when they're listening to the song, it's not out of malice, hate or anything like that. Sometimes it's just really just forgetting where you're at and it just comes out. So instead of fighting someone immediately or beating them up, talk to them and just tell them, hey, you really shouldn't do that. You know, just to like give them some context and some background. And then over time, if we're doing things such as that and really educating each other on the impacts of these words and why we don't want them to be used as much, we wouldn't really have to go as much of the pure censorship route, but people would more so just be mindful on their own 
and really realize, okay, this is what I'm putting out into the sphere. So if I put this out there, I should expect this to happen. And I, I expect this to happen. This is also what I need to do to really mitigate the negative impacts or at least do more interviews where I talk about this is why this is in this music. This is why I chose to have this artistic expression of this. So people really understand why exactly it's written in that way. And it's not just the artist just dropping it out there and leaving. And I also think that we need to have more of these music executives really be conscious of the music they choose in terms of the singles and the rap artists they prop up. Like guys like 6ix9ine, who's a artist from New York. I just don't really like the guy at all. And I know people like his music, but for me, he's just a very toxic human being. I mean, in terms of the sexual assault and child predator cases and things like that, he's had, he's just not really a good guy. And the stuff he puts into his music as well and how just blatant he is in terms of how he uses certain phrases, it just really turns me off to the point where I don't listen to his music at all, just because I don't want to be someone that's supporting an inflammatory figure like that, or someone that doesn't really help the things in this country so much. And I believe others are really turning that route as well over time. But again, I'd like to see the music producers really, and just the music executives, especially that own these companies really take it upon themselves to realize that they're responsible for a lot of this. In terms of, like, again, the artists they promote, like, when it comes to the singles they put out, um, my favorite example is uh, ASAP Rocky's album, Long Live ASAP, that came out uh, when I was a senior in high school. When it came to that album, there was a big single on that called Fucking Problems, and that song is just, you know, about getting women, being a womanizer, doing drugs and all this and that. And those songs are fun to listen to in club atmospheres or just like, you know, with the bass booming and things like that. But to have those types of songs be the lead singles when there are other songs on there that are equally great in terms of the production and the lyricism and the bass that everyone loves so much, like suddenly where right before the bass drops, he says, you're my brother, you're my kin, fuck the color of your skin. And then the bass drops. Like, I would love to hear songs like that be the hit lead singles. Or Kendrick Lamar, like his songs, like uh, Humble and uh, DNA off of his lead album, uh, off his uh, great album, uh, Damn. I love that album to death. And I don't really blame the producer so much just because, or the executive as much on that one, because that album is really a story all the way through and both of those songs are careful to really give context in terms of what he's talking about but i wish a song that people listen to more on that was fear because kendrick in his music he really takes the time to try to put people in the landscape of how it's like in the ghetto with a hood or how it's like growing up with little and in fear he talks about how when he was growing up he was afraid of being killed doing this or doing that or how he was just afraid of just life and taking risks in general. And just a really poignant line from that for me is just when he says, and that's what you do when you're 17. My worries are in a hurry. I wish I controlled things. I feel like no matter the skin color anyone has, you can resonate with that feeling at some point in your life. 
and it's a seven minute long song and maybe that's why people don't want to have it as a lead single or people don't listen to it as much but people got out of that looking for just quick joy and quick songs and less introspective songs and really took the time to listen to more of that music we could change things as well because that song could really help people understand different demographics more different mindsets more if that makes sense it makes a lot of sense and i agree and i just i just think if we did stuff like that like you know not be so free with cracker or honky and whatnot i mean that would help too not that you know it's a big issue with me i i don't honestly with these words i have issue because of you know it, people don't really know what these words are and they you know regardless of anything um they're either going to say it out of ignorance or they're going to say it to hurt somebody. And I just don't think it's fair to put it in a song over and over. You know what I'm saying? Where somebody's going to be repeated and you're right with the executives, the record executives and stuff like that. They should be a little bit more mindful on who they're choosing for artists. And I, you know, you hit a point with that because there's a lot of artists out there that are really good artists that are worthy lyrically and you know musically that could be replacing these bad artists out there um that shouldn't be you know getting anything from anybody being the fact number one how they got there or whatnot you know i i feel like if you're if you're selling drugs to make your album then maybe you shouldn't be making that album that's my opinion you should be thinking about you know your you know the life that you chose and try to make that better before you go out there and make that album with that drug money you have or got either from somebody that you sold drugs to or that you killed that's my opinion and i think a lot of things like with a lot of rappers you know throwing that in the mix and kind of selling selling it like it's it's something that people should be doing um is not good either that's just how i feel with that and you know being a musician myself you know i would never sell somebody hey it's cool to do cocaine hey it's cool to do you know other drugs that are in the mix, you know, oxy and whatnot and heroin and whatnot, you know, cause there are a lot of, you know, a lot of rap artists that do do that. Or, you know, it's different if you were, go, had really gone through that and you suffered consequences from those drugs and then you're explaining to people, okay, um, I did these drugs and I learned, I don't want you doing them. And this is why I'm telling my story. This is my story, my life that I'm telling about, you know, giving you, giving you that option to listen yeah. to my story so you get so you learn not to do the same stuff i'm telling you not to do like we're the jay-z's and that and like guys like nas like with their albums i mean jay-z with how he started but he pretty quickly turned into a guy that was like hey i mean i understand what i'm talking about in this song but you can clearly see from the life i'm living that i'm not involved in that stuff and I'm, you know, now family man and things of that nature. And I do see people still try to talk about his past and bring that up and try to say that that's who he is today. And I think it's okay to bring up his past, but to really equate that with who he is today, 
isn't really fair when we say that that's exactly who he is today because he's obviously evolved and changed. And, and I'm all, I'm always for everybody changing. And if they want to, you know, if they, you know, if you're moving forward to change, great. Then you should. Everybody should. So I agree. You know, what I mean, like I think everybody should, you know, learn from their lessons and just put it out there like it is. But you know, there are certain ways of doing it. Um, you know, you don't want white people running around using that word. You know what I mean? And we don't want black people running around using the word cracker all the time. I mean, to me, it's just not intelligent to keep using that word. I think every now and then it's fine. You know what I mean? But to keep using it, like, I think lyrically, I'm a lyricist. I mean, lyrically, I think that's, you know, you listen to some of my stuff. You have it. Um, lyrically, you don't hear none of that in there. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not spitting out any kind of racial slurs at anybody. Um, you know, I do, you know, put in my music violence and I said before violence is a human condition. So it's expected to have that inside the music. You know what I mean? Do I condone anybody to do any violence? No, absolutely not. And I'm sure other artists, when they put violence in their stuff, they're not trying to condone what they're doing. But there are some out there that are, you know, do push, you know, the drug thing and the hoe and this and that. And, you know, life is all about a club and it's not. Life is not a joke. And a lot of these people that are out there now, they're big drug habits now. You know, I do blame a lot of those bad artists that could have, you know, been mindful of what they were putting out there to make a difference. Instead, they made it worse. And that goes for a lot of people out there that are having issues now. And I feel sorry for those people. Um, so with that said, as far as the racism goes, I think those words should be totally, you know, every once in a while, fine, I get it. You know what I mean? That's just something, it's a human condition. Just like I think, I think, you know, racism somewhat is a, a human condition. But at the same time, I don't think it's a human condition. I'm kind of mixed up on it because I've heard doctors talk about racism and they say, oh, yeah, racism, you know, is like a human condition. It's kind of like, you know, as humans, we are animals and, you know, there are animals out there that hate each other in 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 that same fashion. They don't get along, you know, they might, you know, so it's happened and. I'm kind of upset with everything. It just, and what I'm seeing now on TV, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you know, there was this one guy um, that just recently went into an auto zone to stab a white guy in the back of the neck for no reason. I'm sure there's a story to that, but it hadn't come out yet. So I'm waiting on it. Um, but regardless, these kind of acts are not good. Okay, and it's not good that, you know, we have social media out there that's portraying some of these acts to be something they're not as well. Okay, um, it's not all about black people going after white people, and it's not about all white people going after black people, but I think in the long run, it's starting to turn that way with everything going on. How do you feel about that? I feel that it is starting to really become that, and I noticed a lot of that this week with the tragedy of uh, what happened to Jacob Blake um, out of Kenosha, Wisconsin, 
I mean, I do know that he had his criminal history, but my whole thing on that case is, I mean, for the officers to say things in the report, such as the criminal history and things like that, I think that's okay to note, but I don't like the narrative that's come about as, oh, they knew ahead of time going into it. Because from what I've seen in the witness reports, the call wasn't originally even for him. But depending on the sources you look at, people are saying it was, people are saying it wasn't, people are saying that he was on the run from the police um, from a previous call that day. And everyone's just running with their own version of the story. And my thing for now is let's look at the witness reports and it's from there okay to say, hey, I don't think someone should be getting shot in the back four to seven times or however many times it was or to be paralyzed off of this but to not say immediately from that well that's what you get when you're disobeying or that's what he got for being a criminal because when you just kind of make blanket statements like that it makes people believe that you're okay with brutality against people and i in no way think that Criminals should always be given the benefit of the doubt or suspects should be given the benefit of the doubt. But my whole thing on that is just we do have the expectation of innocent until proven guilty, but it's coming to the time in the public sphere of whether it's against the suspect in question or the officer, we're turning to guilty until proven innocent. And I don't think that every police officer is bad. I don't think we should completely do away with police because we are clearly not ready for that in this society. What I do think is that we should just be more mindful about how exactly we talk about these things and the discourse in terms of not just having echo chambers of only wanting to talk to your friends that are moderates, only wanting to talk to your friends that are Democrat, only wanting to talk to your friends that are Republican, or only wanting to talk to libertarians or only talking to white people, black people, and so on and so forth. We should all want to talk to everyone. We should want to talk to those in our communities because that's how we're really going to change these things and really push things forward. And we, we should really be doing is not just putting it on ourselves, but really pressuring our public officials, the people we voted in to represent our interests. When the vast majority of people in a constituency are saying they want to see certain changes or talking about a certain issue, where are our leaders in not just tweeting or putting up some Facebook thing about it, but actually having tangible action, calling community meetings, or setting up these polls as you're talking about to truly ask their constituents, what do you think on this? So we know what the majority of people believe. So we have a baseline of the expectations of in this next congressional session, or in this next state house or state senate or government meeting session, or auditor session, whatever it is, that this is what we want addressed. At the bare minimum, we at least want it talked about because we want our opinions truly seen because I know that this isn't a full true democracy, that it's a republic, but even with that, it's the people, the government by the people for the people. And it's slowly turning into a government by the few for the few we're really being shut out of the process as you spoke on earlier and you just see more of that every day when people largely agree that they want certain laws struck down or certain changes made and it becomes a political battle between one party and the other when they should literally just be listening to the people who hired them 
us when we tell them this is what we want and they're trying to tell us what we want but what they're really doing is telling us what they want and why we should want that too whereas they're being paid by special interests and really just serving themselves and that's not what we're here for we're here for them to serve us their job in my opinion how i see it is to listen to their constituents go to work have tangible actions made or at least plans in place to address these things going forward go to bed and repeat the cycle that's what their jobs are yet here we are and in this last six months alone, we have Congress going on, I think it's now three recesses, and they've done next to nothing in terms of the actual things we've asked them to do. And they bicker and say, we don't think people should have this. We don't think people should have this. And it's, there's how many of you? First, the hundreds of millions of us. I mean, what you guys think is one thing, but what about what we believe? because we outnumber you guys by so much and the government is by us for all of us. So right. actually consider the opinions of us. Exactly. And they should. And I want to see more of that. I want to see, I want to see the government, you know, I want to see it much smaller than what it is. I think right now it's just way too big. And I think there's just too many hands in the pot. And I think there's a lot of money getting passed back and forth, which makes them comfortable. But yet people yeah. like, yeah, and people like me and you just, you know, getting screwed. And, you know, by passing one law that makes no sense to another law that does. And then they'll somehow overwrite the one that does and then, you know, pass another law to suit somebody else. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. It happens a lot. And... It don't make sense. There's like so many laws now on the books that, you know, you, you kind of, if you're walking down the street the wrong way, you're breaking the law. Uh, you know, it seems to be that way, especially here in New York. I mean, it's it's really bad. So I think a lot of that stuff can be, you know, should be taken, taken care of and taken out, you know. But I do agree that we should have not a poll because I, I don't believe in polls. Um, and, and I say that with 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 the utmost respect to what you said. But more of like a survey. Is yeah, like an actual cool. survey that comes in the mail and that, you know, that is actually documentable. Like they send you out the survey, they send you an email that says, have you, this? have you received the survey that we sent you? So this way that survey is documented that you said it and that you, that you, that you received it and that you mailed it back to them. So they know to expect that it's, it's getting there. And, uh, you know, this way, you know, there's no, you know, well, it's going to get put into a box over there for that side, for that, that party over there. And then we're going to not mail out. Uh, we'll just throw that out, pretend it never even got here. And then all the other ones just go there. And I think a lot, that's what's going on now. You know what I mean? A lot of people's opinions in this country is getting, you know, shoveled into a, a, a throwaway box. And the ones that that's more interest to interest to them you know what I mean? They're they're keeping. So if it makes sense for them and it works for them, they're going to keep it. So ignore what the other piece, the other person's saying or the other people are saying, regardless. So I believe there's a lot of that going on, but that's why I think we should have something like that where it's going to actually go out to people 
and be recorded that it went out to people and be recorded that it made it back to them. So they can't sit there and say, oh, yeah, I never got that. You know I mean, I don't know what they I don't know what these people are talking about. You know what I mean? And it would help if we got these things in the mail and then people get together, you know, in their community with them. You know what I mean? And, and maybe have like like get together, say, OK, well, what's everybody's concern? We got these in the mail. It's that time. Let's let's you know, let's try to work this together this way. You know, it kind of narrows down the issues instead of everybody having one opinion here and then it's got to be, you know, somebody's got to go through it and decipher what everybody means. You know what I'm saying? This way, everybody's pretty much mailing in lumps of what, you know, is basically on the same issue. You see what I'm saying? Where it's easier to comb through. Um, I think that would matter a lot. I think, you know, it's doable. I can't see how they can't put something like that in process. You know what I'm saying? Where people can do it. And they so, can. They can. They just lie and say that they can't. Just to or make them believe that we're powerless. Right. Or it's going to cost too much money. Yeah. Whereas they so, spend money on whatever every single day. Exactly. So, and, and that's why I think, I think a lot of that I think would, would like help. Like you, I seen something you posted on Facebook about that uh, community thing for the police department. What is that? So that was for the city of Iowa City, and what they're doing is, so we have a new police chief coming in, and we have three finalists for that, and uh, I've been speaking with one of our city council members about that a lot, and she has just really told me, uh, her name is Laura Burgess, and she has just really been good about making sure I'm in the know in terms of it, because she knows that I'm very invested in this, and she just wants more of a community voice in this decision and is asked for input. And the whole goal of it is to get people in the community to send in questions to be asked of these candidates so that we have a true baseline of things the community wants to know and have addressed. So it's not just city council or the police force really deciding who gets that spot, but the entire community really having more of a say so that we can know that we didn't just bring this person in just because of some credentials, but we brought this person in because we believe that they were a better fit for the things that we want to see change in our community and the ideals that we have that we want to have upheld. I think they should do that more everywhere. Um, I haven't seen anything like that um, anywhere where I live. So I would myself like to see something more like that in place um, where people can, you know, sit there and say, hey, this police force, you know, like the city of Niagara Falls. Um, I don't have issue with the police department or even the police officers there. I, th I think they're all pretty decent police officers that are there. But I don't think that we get as much say in what they do and how they do it. As you know, I, I think we, we don't get enough in there, in my opinion. And I think they should be reaching out to people in the city of Niagara Falls and let them know, hey, guess what? You know what? We need to, you know, figure out if we're doing the right thing and go to the people. So this this way this way doesn't this doesn't happen to us where we end up with an officer going rogue and killing somebody. Okay. And you know, and try to include these officers more in that process. So these officers get to know people too. You see what I'm saying? Because that helps. 
I think that help, it helps out tremendously because, you know, especially if, especially if you're a new police officer, um, there are a lot of new police officers out there that get their badge and then, you know, they're all in the high mighty because, you know, they got that, they're young, they're energetic, and they got this, you know, new badge and shiny and they got a lot of power with it. Okay. So, and I think that should be, you know, presented. I think, you know, a new police officer should be presented to the people as who he is. You get what I'm saying? And, and, you know, have this officer walk around shaking hands, meeting people, you know, interacting with people. So he knows who he's talking to in the community. So, you know what I mean? I think if there was more of that communication, I yeah. think that uh, there'd be a lot less of what's actually really going on with these police shootings. Um, and I think that, you know, people would come forward more if they have an issue with an officer. You see what I'm saying? They wouldn't be so afraid to go forward like, okay, the, the police captain's not going to listen to me. You know what I mean? Because um, that happens. You know, I went, to, I went to a police captain before for an issue. And it was like it went in one year and then out the other. So I kind of I kind of get, you know, that there's a lot of people that go through that as far as, you know, the police station goes. So I think there should be something in place for that as well, kind of like what your town's doing or whatever your city or whatever is doing for the police department. They should do that everywhere, in my opinion. Um, like I said, I love I love police officers. I love firemen. You know, anybody that's, you know out there to save somebody, I'm all for it. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't want to lose that. And I'm sure you don't either. I mean, we all got things we don't want taken because, you know, you know damn well, if we didn't have no officers, people would be out robbing us blind regardless. So just, you know, like look at the chaos we already have with the riots. So that's my point. Everybody's looting the stores. They're hurting, hurting, you know, people who have worked for years to get their stores big or even just start out um, and destroy it, you know, and think, oh, well, it's okay. They have insurance to cover that. A lot of insurances don't cover that. So you're just actually just hurting people, in my opinion. And so I, I think it just should stop before it turns into something really bad. Um, yeah. You know, because yeah. I'm, I'm afraid of that. And, you know, it's just I do see it getting worse. You know, and I think that, you know, when we talked before, we talked about the there there's groups out there that should should not be organized, you know, like the KKK. Okay. That group should be split off or the the leader of that group should be put in jail or something. I don't know, but I don't think that group should be able to assemble into a group because they are technically a hate group. They hate they hate races, all different races, but white not realizing that they have a lot of races within themselves, which is really kind of bigotry in my opinion. The same with the Black Panthers. Um, we talked about the Black Panthers. When they did start out, you were right about that, they did start out as um, a good thing, but then they went to a rogue kind of uh, Black Panthers. Like, they are absolutely 150% noted that they are racist. And um, it says the new Black it. Panther, the new Black Panther Party for yeah, self-defense. Their party is the is the uh, bad one. 
Like they've taken the name of the old one and kind of associated themselves with the old one, right. but they've really perverted the ideals and turned it into something else. And I'm a person where I'm willing to call that out. I mean, if just like the current Black Lives Matter organization, um, it started originally as being this unifying source, but it's really changed in terms of its ideals and agendas. And what I don't like about that is people are very confused on the differences between the organization and the movement. And I see a lot of that being because this organization has been allowed to keep the old moniker, but continue to operate under different set of practices and ideals. So I'd like right. to have those two things really be separated and either force that organization to change their name or to publicly acknowledge that they are not speaking for the movement of these other protests as a whole, because these protests are set up by people that aren't even a part of this organization, that are That's just right. kids in their communities or adults in their communities that are just out there just protesting injustice, period, or protesting racism, period. And to lump them all in together with this, with this group that is trying to bring up all of these other political or social or economic ideals just isn't right and fair because people at these protests in most cases aren't really asking for those same things they're just asking for truth accountability and justice right and the organization that is at play right now isn't after the true plight of blacks in america um and for people who don't know what that is the true plight um I'm going to read you something real quick by Walter E. Williams, and it's very short. And he says, while it might not be popular to say in the wake of recent social disorder, the true plight of black people has little or nothing to do with the police or what has been called systemic racism. Instead, we need to look at the responsibility of those running our big cities. And that is from Walter Williams. And I have to say that he's right about that. But as far as the police department goes, I mean, you got to get rid of the bad apples. They need to do something to filter out these people. I don't know uh, what they can do, because I think no matter how big of a police department you have, um, I think you're going to get a bad apple every now and then. And how to stop that, I have no idea, really. Um, I really don't even have an opinion for that, because people do go rogue on their own. They could be okay one minute, and then next minute, flip a lid and then hurt somebody really badly. And then, uh, you know, whether they're black or white, because it, it's been, you know, it's both sides that had this happen. It's been, you know, a white cop kill a black cop or a black guy. And then you had a black cop kill a white guy. It's not just happened just on just one side or the other. It has happened. What people don't understand is it's, it's happened throughout time over and over again. And, you know, the main reason Black Lives Matter was even put together or even thought of was, I think it was back in the 90s when it actually really started. The early 90s, I think, or yeah, late the, 90s. The actual like, uh, organization that we currently have in its current and what I believe the better version of it was uh, after Trayvon Martin's uh, case. But the ideas of it, I feel like, had, yeah, pretty much been around since the 90s and really right. built up with the Rodney King case. Right. And that and that I was for that group until 
it started flipping this, doing what it's doing now, and making ties with Antifa. So that's my gripe with Black Lives Matter. And, and, the, and the people who are running it um, are absolutely Marxist. Um, I'm not fond of Marxism at all. Um, that is not the way I want to live, and I'm sure it's not the way you want to live. Um, but their idea is is rogue, and we we just can't have that. Um, and that's where and that's where Black Lives Matter is as we speak. So yeah, I think they should be all. I think I think any racist group that's out there, you know, you either stop being racist, period, which I I don't see that happening. So I think that the I think those organizations should be completely disseminated. Um, and as far as Black Lives Matter, if they want to stay a group, um, they need to change their ways, change their, their leaders, like you said, and get rid of those and, and, you know, filter out the people that are bringing about the bad nature, the, the good nature of what Black Lives Matter is supposed to be. And then, you know, get rid of the bad nature of what it's presenting itself now. Know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like the leaders of the Black Lives Matter organization. I just want to make sure listeners know when we're saying Black Lives Matter right now, we are talking about the organization. And if people do look more into them, you will quickly see and realize that this current organization is not the same as how it truly began. And -hmm. their aims are not all the same either. They've really expanded um, to a more um, American Revolution type ideal where they want to change all of the systems that we have. And maybe there are some things that they have that are right that we do need to change. But until we actually have them be more concrete about those goals and really separate those from the other bad things that they do want and are pushing, we can't really allow them to keep going on these news networks and stations because that does perpetuate a lot of the division. And it has allowed this organization to be lumped in with the these peaceful protesters and these peaceful protesters because of some of the things the organization is pushing has uh, had it be where other groups um, of agitators or other groups of anarchists have begun to join these protests and even though the protests in my opinion have mostly peaceful people if you have agitators or bad apples in there or anarchists in there you can't stop all of them, unfortunately, and they will turn these peaceful protests and events at nightfall into these chaotic ones. And we don't want to have that keep continuing to happen because then the whole message gets muddied. The person's memory who you're supposed to be protesting for gets associated with these things and it also dirties their name and it's just unfair to them. And I would just like to see that change and stop. And I know I don't speak for all black people in general. I'm speaking for myself, Mohammed Traore. And in speaking for myself, I will say that as a black man, I am not afraid to say that there are certain things that these organizations like Black Lives Matter have done that are not okay. And certain things that they are pushing that I don't agree with. There are certain things that they're pushing that I do agree with. But overall, I don't like how they've become so muddied with the uh, all these different peaceful protests that I'd rather have them either change their structure or just separate themselves and change their name so they are not continually associated with the protesters. So we don't keep having 
politicians or powerful people that are able to keep lumping everyone together and keep making these blanket statements. So the people at these protests realize, yeah, those agitators aren't with you, they're against you. And they're not trying to further your cause, they're trying to sow divisions so that they can further their own purpose. And it's just not really fair to all of us because we don't, we're not being listened to anymore. People are tuning you out because they're thinking, oh, well, these, this organization and these protests are the same thing. If they're the same thing, I don't want to be a part of that. And I can understand that frustration and where that comes in. So again, I know I can't speak for everyone, but speaking for myself, that's how I see it. And I just think that if we can make those distinctions and if we can change those little things and push those things forward, we can come to a time in this country where we can all really look at these issues together, pressure our politicians that we hire, that we hire to do the things that are important to us to make true and lasting change. Absolutely. I agree. And uh, I want to see that, too. And a lot of people want to see that, too. And like you said, I speak for myself when I say that. Um, but I know of a lot of people that just want to see peace. You know what I mean? They want to see everybody get together and come together on a lot of these issues that are out there. What really pushed people back was the rioting when it first happened. Um, the businesses that have gotten destroyed was phenomenal. It was uncalled for. There was no reason for that. We've had all kinds of protests here in New York, not upstate. I mean, we're in upstate New York. I'm not talking about New York City. New York City is a whole different breed over there. Um, you got a lot of people there that are absolutely ridiculous. But people here in upstate New York, we, ha you know, they have the mindset of like what me and you have. Um, we we can talk about it. You know what I mean? Where, you know, when it first started with this, with the, with the rioting, it created a, a wall. So for any kind of reason, like everybody was listening at first when George Floyd got killed, everybody was just like, Oh my God. You know what I mean? That guy is just leaning on his neck. You know, everybody on all sides, I don't care what, where you are affiliated to on all sides, everybody was like, that was not right. Um, then that officer should pay for what he did. Um, but then when the rioting started and then the aftermath of the rioting, it kind of just put a wall up between that. And you're right. A lot of people are now just, you know, they kind of keep in a turn, turned mind on it, you know, like a closed, they're keeping their mind closed on it. You know what I mean? And they know the situation's there, but yet don't want to talk about it because yet they're afraid to. So, cause they don't know what side they're talking to. You know what I mean? Um, I get that. So, you know, as far as like, I'm concerned, I just want to see everybody come together and do it the right way. Stop the rioting. Stop hurting people. Stop destroying people's property. Stop. Just stop it all. Stop all the nonsense. Just come together the right way and uh, have a real big, massive get together and, you know, show show the world. You know what I mean? Don't that you could do it peacefully without this. Um, I mean, if Antifa. We all know Antifa is not a peaceful group, but I'm saying if, you know, 
they, they keep saying that they want to be a peaceful group, but yet they're not showing any signs of wanting to be peaceful. But if they wanted to be peaceful, there's your opportunity. Show that you could be peaceful. And maybe people will listen again. But they're, you know, nobody's going to. And you see what happened with the, you know, with the other guy that just got shot um, by the officer. And I saw that, how that happened. And right away, it was a riot right after it happened. I think that people should wait for the investigation before they go out and say, okay, well, that guy's at fault for this and that guy's at fault for that. And then it becomes a race issue again. And then we're out in the street doing the same thing, rioting, destroying things again, all over again, just to hurt people that had nothing to do with it. And I don't think that's right. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I don't think it's right that it turned into rioting. I mean, at this point, I can just kind of understand why with everyone being so divided and closed-minded into looking at both sides. And I don't know for sure if it's a race issue or not yet, just because there's so little information available. But what I do know is that I don't believe that what happened with the shooting was right and that it was okay. Because regardless of what he was trying to do, I just think that there was more than likely a lot more that these officers could have done before the fact to really de-escalate the situation and try to have it avoid a gun being pulled out and for a man to now have lost the use of his legs and to now possibly for the rest of his life have to defecate into a bag. I mean, no matter the decisions he made, again, if we're going to have the standard of innocent and proven guilty, why are we changing someone's life to that point based off just this split second where we had all this time prior to really just avoid that outcome? Exactly. And, I, and I'm thinking, too, um, like, I do believe that they did try to with a taser, but the taser didn't deploy. But I do agree with what you're saying. I mean, as far as, like, how many times they shot him, I thought that was ridiculous, in my opinion. Um but I think being in the stance that they were in, I mean, in the situation, I would have shot him at least once. I wouldn't have shot him. I, and I probably wouldn't have took a fatal shot. I probably would have shot him in the arm he's reaching with. So he's not getting whatever he was trying to reach down for. But regardless, I think during those times, um, I mean, you got so many officers. Like if you got like three officers on the scene, I think, you know, one could have been trying to, you know, once he got into the near the car, they should have just stepped back. And when the minute he, uh, 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 you know, came up with something, then react. You get what I'm saying? It's kind of hard, though, if it was a gun, though, because, you know, guns go off so fast and so easy. So they, they try not to let that happen. But there, yes, there could have been it could have been a much different way it could have been handled. And the guy could have probably lived, but it didn't happen that I way, mean, unfortunately. Uh, he is still alive, thankfully. Oh, he is alive. Very, yeah. I didn't know he was alive. Yeah, the way the media has talked about it the first few days, I mean, you could see him as otherwise. But yeah, he is luckily still alive. But yeah, oh, that's great long. if he's alive. That's good. Yeah. So, you know, but he should he should have never ran. I mean, my thing, it goes, I go again, you know, don't run from the police. Don't, you know, like if you're told to stop, just stop what you're doing. You know, chances are, you know, they got their cameras on, you know, the, the, the police cars got cameras on. There's cameras usually in the street, usually, or somebody's somebody's recording something. And I think if people just, you know, just stopped and just said, you know what, okay, what do you want, you know, 
I think it would avoid a whole lot of issues in the long run. So in my opinion. Yeah, my thing was just this video is we are unsure of just if that happened prior to the actual shooting, if like them talking and asking those questions, I believe there's a good chance it did because it just seemed like he was just so frustrated. So maybe he wasn't listened to and just like, I'm just done with this. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, just in closing before we do end this interview, I mean, I do love how this is going and this is why I'm just very glad we're going to be continuing this partnership and continuing to have joint podcasts because conversations like this are much needed. But before we do close, I would like to give you the opportunity to talk more about the realist juggernaut and your ambitions with that to really just give my listeners um, that side as well. All right. The realist juggernaut, the realist juggernaut is as a juggernaut, it's a force. Okay. And what I mean by force, I'm not trying to force you to read stuff that I post. Okay. Somebody had mentioned that before. Why would you name it the realist juggernaut? It's such an odd name, but juggernaut is actually a really powerful name. It really is. Um, I actually like the word, believe it or not. And when I thought about it, I really didn't think about how people were going to perceive the realist juggernaut because of it's a juggernaut, you know what I mean? But it is, it is actually a really powerful word and being me, I'm a realist. So when I post something, um, I have already proofread that thing. Okay. So nobody could sit there and say, Oh, that's a lie. No, because I've read it through other outlets and they got basically the same thing. So I'll post it. Um, that's what the realist juggernaut is. And as far as doing these podcasts, my whole point of doing this and taking my time out to do this is to bring people on all sides together, show people that we can be all realists at the same time, but have fun at the same time, but be a force to be reckoned with at the same time together, not all of this division, the, the, the division that we got going on right now is absolutely absurd. And I think everybody can get over themselves and be the realist juggernaut. That's what I'm talking about right there. And there's, you know, there's a powerful force behind realism. There's nothing wrong with it. And being real and being upfront, get your point across much quicker than it is to just sit back and not say nothing to be that, you know, unforced person. I think everybody in these kind of situations should be forced in one way or another to come out of their holes and say, Hey, this has got to stop. We need to get together on this. Okay. We need to stop the division. We need all this racism to stop because we're not living in 400 years ago. Um, you know, it's not, you know, a lot, not a lot of white people are racist and not a lot of black people are racist anymore. But the problem is, is the ones that are racist, that's bringing the problem to people like me and you. So I want people to realize that, you know, and to be real about it instead of trying to hide behind um, the fear of it. You know, I'm coming out, I'm uncomfortable talking about the situation as far as racism goes. You can tell in the beginning of this podcast, but I did it. I'm out here doing it. You know what I mean? Even though it's a touchy subject, um, 
I'm out here doing it. I'm not, I'm not trying to hide. So, and you're out here doing the same thing. And it's always nice talking to you, Muhammad. And I'm glad that we are doing this together. And I do want more of this podcasting to go on because I think that, you know, if we show, I mean, I'm white, you're black. We're trying to show people that we can come together no matter how much our difference is and no matter how much different we think, we can still sit here and have this conversation no matter what. And being that this is our real first podcast and talking about uh, racial situations in the United States and just being uncomfortable with that, knowing that I'm uncomfortable with it and you're probably uncomfortable with it at times because it's, it's kind of, you know, racism isn't new by far, but to us, you know, trying to bring it out in the open is because nobody's trying to have that real talk. And I think that we should have that real talk. And I think more people should, and I think it would bring people closer together. And also I want, you know, everybody to, you know, read more about their past, you know, even white people, you know what I mean? Or Indians or wherever, wherever your, your nationality's from, read about your past, um, know where you're from, know the truths about how you got here and why things are the way they are today, you know, and don't look at it just from one side, read it from different outlets. Like I do as the realist juggernaut, I'll read Fox news. And if Fox news has the same thing as, is is uh, USA today, I'm going to read USA today. And I'm going to sit there and say, okay, well, they both coincide with each other. I'm going to post one of them that I like the best. Boom. So people can do that. And, you know, if everybody reads from different point of views from, you know, they'll understand where the truth is. The truth does come together one way or another. And there is a lot of people out there that have written out, you know, stories about um, slavery and stuff back in the day that white people should be reading, too. Um, and I like this one new I got into this one uh, novelist. She's a Nigerian novelist, and her name is um, Abadobi Trisha. Obenin Nubani, I think Nubani, that's how it's spelled. Um, and she wrote this awesome um, biography with the Wall Street Journal. And um, it's called When the Slave Traders Were African. And a lot of information in there, a lot of information in there. I can't even express how much information is in there. I've learned a lot just from even reading that. Um, so, but people should get out there and read it. And, you know, uh, Muhammad's going to post the links to these websites. I'm going to give them the links to it so everybody can read it for themselves and see for themselves that there is other stories to be read. It's just not a one-sided situation. It's an all-sided situation. So, and once everybody knows the real deal about all of it, where everybody come from, I think everybody can get past this racism thing very easily. Um, being that, you know, we're not living, you know, 400 years ago. So we're living in today and what matters today is what's going to matter for tomorrow. Yeah. And thank you so much for that and going into such depth and detail, because I think it should be clear to everyone that listens to this, even though you've stated it, I'll state it again, just so they can make no mistake. John Neff, in my honest opinion, is not a racist man. And I really, really enjoyed 
thoroughly all of our conversations and how we've helped each other grow and see different perspectives in just this short amount of time that we've known each other. So I'm very excited to keep working together going forward and just to really show people that people from different parts of the country. I mean, I was born in Brooklyn, New York, and I mean, you still live in New York, but I've been in Iowa since I was three. And even though I'm in the Midwest and you're on the East Coast, we can still talk like two regular people just because we have, we share so many things like our love for our families, our love for our countries, our love for our communities. And because of the commonalities we have, we're able to have conversations about the differences. And yeah, I just thank you so much again for joining this edition of the Paradigm Podcast. And I implore others to look more into Mr. Neff and the Realist Juggernaut and to also do their due diligence in terms of all the news stories they look into to be willing to look at other sides and see that, hey, just because you're a Democrat doesn't mean you can't look at the Republican point of view. Just because you're a Republican doesn't mean you can't look at the Democrat point of view. Or if you're fed up with picking one side or the other, you can just do it I did and just go no party and when it comes to elections just kind of pick from there you don't have to vote all red you don't have to vote all blue you can just do what I think is the sensible thing and vote for each candidate based on their own merits and their own ideals and their past performance and what they want to do in the future and see if that really lines up with what you want absolutely and Mohammed, thank you very much for this opportunity it's been great Yeah, thank you so much. And everybody, thank you for listening.